Brick Moon Fiction presents Investigator's Comfort by Joshua Safley Narrated by Nicholas Thurkettle 11.06 a.m. Remind me again, you stalled the paramedics how long? Chief, Lucy's a witness, Ronan pleaded. I had to talk to her. Detective, you're a grade-A psychopath, Chief Meriden roared. You nearly killed one of our own. I had to... She had a great big gash cut across her head, Meriden snapped. Seeing her face painted in blood would have tipped most people off to the fact that she was bleeding out. Ronan muttered. She would have been dead when we found her if she was bleeding out. It was the wrong thing to say. Meriden towered over Ronan until her shadow totally swallowed him. He fought the urge to cower back, and very nearly won. With her hunched back, dark clothing, and hooked nose, she was the spitting image of a vulture perched above him. However, her aura was anything but that of a mere scavenger. There was fire in her eyes. You are so lucky she stabilized, Meriden whispered. She only stood an inch or so from Ronan's face. This close, he could see her trembling, presumably with rage. If things hadn't turned out as well, we'd be having quite a different conversation right now. Meriden withdrew, and Ronan quickly wiped her spittle away while her back was turned. He blew the air from his nostrils, hoping to dispel her musty scent. She returned to her seat, hopefully without noticing. She watched him with squinted, skeptical, almost hateful eyes. A good detective. What am I saying? All but the worst of the worst— would have gotten her to the hospital first and asked questions later, she said. Her voice was a dangerous shade of quiet. Dead witnesses are the least useful. Ronan said nothing. Meriden said, We've butted heads before, kid, but you've never pulled a stunt like this, something that defies the very laws of reason. Never for something so serious. A pregnant pause lasted a lifetime. Meriden sighed through her nose. Her shoulders slumped. Did you at least get a good lead? She implored. Ronan shook his head. Lucy was delirious. Said something like an undead frogman melted its way through Richard. Meriden pursed her ancient lips. Get out, she commanded. Ronan relaxed, releasing the tension he did not know he held. Grateful, he turned and reached for the door. Oh, one more thing, she said. I heard you ran downstairs before the rest of us knew. Ronan froze, fingers clenched around the knob. I assume it was because Mr. Dibbleman called you directly after the paramedics, she continued. He told me how he found Lucy. Yes, Ronan said, doing his best not to agree too quickly. I know you and Lucy are very close to each other, Meriden said and Richard was a good friend of you both. Ronan waited. I can only say that any type of personal vendetta or crusade will be put to an end at once, she said. But you are a professional. You will act professional. You will not act on emotion. Richard was murdered, and Lucy... Richard died, Meriden snapped. You're a detective, don't assume anything until you've reviewed the evidence and weighed all explanations. Anger burned in the pit of Ronan's stomach, but he nodded. Ignore the policy again. Make a mistake, she growled. Any little thing. 
and your badge is gone by the end of the day. I understand, Ronan said. He left the chief's office. 11.18 a.m. Dibbleman did not even give Ronan the luxury of a private smoke break. So this is the price of a dream come true? A nightmare? He demanded, sidling up to Ronan. You get canned, but two of our own bite the dust? Ronan refused to look at him. I haven't been fired, he said, and Lucy's going to be fine. She's predicted to make a full recovery. Well, at least one of those things is good news, Dibbleman said. He grinned cruelly. It was raining softly outside, and Ronan had hoped that would be enough to dissuade Dibbleman from following him, or at least melt him. Anyway, Dibbleman continued, I don't think it'll be too long before I find someone else sitting at your desk. Ronan took a long drag and blew the smoke in his partner's face. It was a guilty pleasure to watch Dibbleman struggle and fail to stifle a cough. Well, it was a pleasure. Haven't I already told you those things will kill you? Dibbleman rasped. He laughed suddenly in short, rough barks. Or is this your way to get an eyewitness interview with Richard? Ronan had long wanted to introduce Dibbleman's jaw to his fist, but never more than now. He sucked the nicotine in hard. Tell me, he said, letting the smoke waft from his lungs of their own accord. Were you born this way, or did someone have to mess you up? Dibbleman's head dropped as he guffawed, and he allowed his shoulders to hunch and bunch with each breath. His head hung like a rag doll, and his arms flopped. This display always made the hairs on the back of Ronan's head stand. He hoped Dibbleman did not know that. Kid, I've watched all five of my partners bite the bullet, and I mean that literally, Dibbleman said. Four in action, one to end things on her own terms. Nasty stuff, really, but you get used to it. Death lost its sting for me a long, long time ago. Ronan pretended to think it over. So my partner who wants me gone is totally unfazed by co-worker deaths. Good to know. Dibbleman hung his head and laughed again. Dibbleman felt sick to his stomach. He took another drag. After checking his watch, Dibbleman began his stroll back to the great wooden doors of the Iolan Police Department. He glanced back meaningfully. Oh, he said, clearly pretending to just remember. I didn't just come out for the great conversation. You and I are running point on this case. What case? What case? The case, Dibbleman mocked. Richard's case. Ronan could hardly believe his ears. We're heading the investigation? Neat, huh? said Dibbleman before disappearing behind the station's doors. Almost like the chief is giving you the opportunity to mess up in as big a way as possible. Ronan cursed under his breath as the doors shut. After the last breath of smoke he could afford, he dropped his cigarette onto an ash can and hurried after his morbid partner. 11.34 a.m. When Ronan and Dibbleman arrived, the autopsy lab was covered in yellow tape and swarming with officers. The place was as busy as a beehive. Why so many? Ronan wondered. Dibbleman barked his short, haughty laugh. And you think I'm the nihilist, he wheezed. Old Richie may not have been a cop per se, but he was one of us. Blue blood's been spilt. Of course everyone wants to help. I suppose all their other cases will just have to wait. Ronan glared at Dibbleman, but only for a moment. Today, he was professional, removed, 
he brought no emotion with himself, not even his deep hatred for Dibbleman's laissez-faire flippancy. Today he was a paragon of reason, and reason alone, an investigator so pure as to wipe himself clean of human weakness. He hardened his heart and told it to go numb. Ronan crouched beneath the tape and entered the lab. What have we got? he quietly asked the nearest officer. Less than makes sense, she replied. He raised an eyebrow. Explain. No fingerprints, she said. No weapon. The only thing we do have is the victim's body, but it's yielding inconclusive results. She means our lab work isn't perfect, a friendly, familiar voice butted in. Hal! Ronan exclaimed, turning to his friend. Hey, bud, Hal said as they shook hands. I'm real sorry about Richard and Luce. I know you were close to both, Rich being a sort of father figure to you and Lucy the girl next door. I thought I could help, so I joined in here. I hope you don't mind. Are you kidding? said Ronan. No, thank you. I need someone level-headed who I can trust on this case. Across the room, Dibbleman burped wetly. An officer shooed him away from a nearby puddle of blood before it could be contaminated. So, tell me about the inconclusive results, Ronan said. Hal laughed, almost nervously. Wish I could, he said. The body and several items throughout the room display damage consistent with that of acidic breakdown, so it appears Rich was splashed with some sort of corrosive fluid, but... but, but, but... Pain arced across Ronan's heart just thinking of Richard's demise, but he stuffed that feeling away for later. But what? he asked. It sounds straightforward, but things don't quite add up, said Hal. I mean, for one thing, if someone threw acid at Rich, or if he somehow dumped it on himself, the distribution of affected tissue should be fairly normal. But it's not. Instead of being spread out, the damaged area is focused. It forms, well, a hole. A tunnel, really, one that leads straight to where his heart should be. Ronan looked up sharply. They took his heart? Hal shrugged, clearing his throat. It's missing. Who would do something like that? asked Dibbleman. He did not sound disgusted, just surprised. Hal shook his head. I couldn't tell you, he said. But if you want my opinion, this is the work of a professional. An assassin, maybe, though I haven't the slightest what they would want with Rich. His heart, apparently, muttered Ronan. What makes you so sure? Ronan asked Hal. Hal counted the reasons on his fingers. One, inside a police station. Two, no fingerprints. Three, nobody but Luce saw him coming or going. Four, very clean attack, neater even than if he'd cut the victim. Five, specific anatomical target, the heart. Six, security footage was cut for the estimated time of death. Seven, what she mentioned earlier. So saying, Hal gestured to the officer Ronan had questioned. Meaning what? Dibbleman asked. There is no acidic residue, Hal explained. All the damage has the appearance of being caused by acid to the point it really couldn't be anything else. Yet none of our equipment has succeeded in verifying this. With this much damage, we should be up to our knees in chemical evidence, but we're not. It's almost as if whatever hit Rich just melted through him while leaving nothing behind. Dibbleman nodded, like a hot poker through a popsicle. 12.16 p.m. Ronan bawled the whole ride to Richard's apartment. Oh, for... 
Why'd you quit with your boo-hooing? Dibbleman roared. You were the one who said we needed to take a look. It was so bad. I didn't think it would be so bad, he wailed. Of course it was going to be bad, Dibbleman snapped. He was your friend. Now move on, kid. I'm trying to drive. Ronan wheezed. I can't just move on. I'm not like you. Dibbleman flashed a nasty, toothy smile. You think I'm a real monster, huh? I bet a monster would tell the chief his partner was unfit for duty just because he got a little teary-eyed, he said. Ronan just sniffed. That's better, Dibbleman said. Just don't let yourself forget my threat. That thing's valid till eternity's end. Ronan grunted. He could already feel his throat constricting again, so he quickly asked, What do you think happened to him? Dibbleman stared at him long and hard. I don't know. I thought that was why we're investigating. Ronan turned to look out the window. Just watch the road, he growled. Don't have to, Dibbleman said as he took a left. We're here. 12.21 p.m. They did not even make it out of the parking lot before Ronan felt his phone buzz in his pocket. By reflex, he grabbed it. As soon as it was in the open, he cursed himself. It's your mom, isn't it? demanded Dibbleman. For once, he was not mocking Ronan. His hand was on his gun, and his eyes darted over the entire lot. Ronan sighed and answered the call. Hi, Mom, he said. Ronan, you are in terrible danger. Good to hear from you, too, he said. I got the call again, his mother exclaimed. You are currently on a path to danger. They told me so. Who, Mom, who called you? This was probably the thousandth time he had asked. I don't know, she said, like always. It was them again, the same people as always. When I picked up my phone, they spoke to me in my own voice. They told me that if you don't change your path, you could die today. Ronan inhaled a deep breath. Thank you, Mom, he said, as pleasant as possible. I'll take it into account. You've been very helpful. Oh, I'm so glad, his mother said. She sounded genuinely relieved. She always did. Is it here? whispered Dibbleman, who was still scanning the surroundings. Ronan held up a hand for him to wait. I gotta go, he told his mother. All right, bye, she said. Bye, I love you, he replied. The phone beeped in Ronan's ear. Nice, he muttered, returning it to his pocket. What did she say? Dibbleman demanded. You know, it really doesn't matter, Ronan said, casting his eyes to the heavens for strength. We don't take my aging schizophrenic mother's delusions into account for an official investigation. Sure we do, said Dibbleman. Hey, if this were a show, that'd be our formula. We get a case, your mom calls and gives us information she shouldn't have, you don't believe her, we look into it, the information ends up making sense and helping us solve the case. Wash, rinse, repeat. Well, maybe my father, the Professor Emeritus, taught me too well than to believe soothsayers, said Ronan. Dibbleman shrugged. Why not? I do. Ronan stared at him skeptically. Dibbleman retrieved a rabbit's foot from his own pocket. She has the gift, said Dibbleman. My late grandmother had it too. Unbelievable, sighed Ronan. He found himself fumbling around his pocket for his lighter and pack of smokes. So, demanded Dibbleman, 
What did she say? She said we were on a path to danger, said Ronan. Can you believe that? A couple of cops investigating a potential murder. In danger. Perish the thought, Dibbleman muttered. His hand dropped from his weapon. Fine, but we're going in quick. Be ready for anything. Ronan sighed again, realizing he would not get the chance to light his cigarette. 12.30 p.m. They had come with Richard's keys, so getting into his apartment was not difficult. They brought a warrant, too, though Ronan failed to see the point. Richard had lived alone. He had no family. Welcome home, welcome home, a parrot squawked from its cage by the window. Dibbleman's gun was whipped out in a moment. He was prepared to fire before his brain had even registered that he was looking at just a bird. Lucky thing he was not trigger-happy. Still, just to be safe, Ronan lowered his partner's arms before an accident happened. The parrot trilled gratefully. They hurried through each room, shouting out to one another until the whole apartment was cleared. Ronan poked around Richard's home office. He rifled through some paperwork from a desk drawer but found nothing interesting. The computer was password protected. There were a few medical texts on the shelf. Ronan picked one up and flipped through. Very little he understood and nothing that seemed useful. Find anything? he called out. Ronan heard boots clomping softly on carpet, and Dibbleman soon appeared in the doorway. His face was stony. Ronan, he said, take a look at this. Dibbleman handed him a piece of paper that, once flipped over, revealed itself to be a photo of Richard with several colleagues. Ronan noticed Hal, Lucy, and himself included in the group. This was lying on his bed, explained Dibbleman. This is from Christmas, Ronan realized, tears threatening to return. I can't believe it. That he would keep this? Be thinking of us? Even on the day... Dibbleman slapped Ronan on the side of his head. Ow! What? Did you even read the other side? He demanded. Ronan flipped the photo back over. In the poor penmanship of a doctor, the message, I love you, was scrawled. Ronan glanced at Dibbleman. I don't understand. Dibbleman snatched the photo and raised it to the nearest light. Now, through the paper, Ronan could see Lucy's face just beneath the message. He did not understand. What does that mean? Ronan asked. Dibbleman cast him a long look before leaving the room. Ronan followed, exclaiming, Dibbleman, what does that mean? Dibbleman led him across the apartment to Richard's bedroom. Ronan noticed a disassembled picture frame on the bed, but Dibbleman made a beeline for the closet. He threw the door wide and flicked a light switch. There, illuminated among all the things you might expect to find in an elderly man's closet, sat a shrine to Lucy. Ronan stared in shock at the table of her pictures and memorabilia. He thought he went numb, but he did feel something. His phone vibrated. He answered it. Hello? They called again, his mother cried. Ronan, you've come closer to the danger. Thanks, Mom, he said, and hung up. 1.13 p.m. Ronan was slumped by the car, cigarette drooping from his lips when he heard Dibbleman approach. Despite the temperature, he was covered in sweat. He wiped his face even though he knew it would be covered again in about 30 seconds. How could he do this? Ronan demanded. Lucy trusted him. 
I trusted him. Just, he's more than old enough to be her father. Seems he was, said Dibbleman. I found the results to a paternity test. Ronan turned to him dumbly. He was her father? Yes, Ronan, that's what paternity means. But I know her parents, said Ronan. We were neighbors growing up. Dibbleman looked at him pointedly. Ronan whipped out his phone. Hi, Mom, he said. Was Lucy adopted? Okay. Okay, I will. He called his father to verify. Yes, I know you're still at school. Listen, was Lucy adopted all this time? Okay. Okay. Why did nobody ever tell me? Fine. Hey, did you give Mom her pills this morning? Yes. She is telling me those things again. Okay. Bye. He turned to Dibbleman. She was never told, he said. Mm-hmm, Dibbleman said. You notice how neat Richard's apartment is? Very minimalist. He doesn't have much in the way of belongings. He made a decent salary, but he lived in this cramped space, and the only thing he kept that wasn't directly related to his job or Lucy was that bird. Dibbleman mused. He only took the job to get close to her, Ronan realized. Dibbleman nodded. I think so. Ronan scrambled to his feet. We have to interview her again, he exclaimed. Who, Lucy? Dibbleman asked. Sure, but what's the rush? Opportunity. Lucy and Richard were alone today. Means. As a surgeon and bioanalyst, Lucy likely knows how to wield acid and perhaps even clear away its residue. Motive. He's her father, and he's been keeping it from her. Someone might make something of that. You think Lucy killed Richard? said Dibbleman. No, I know her, said Ronan. But someone else just might. 1.57 p.m. Ronan, the voice says there's not much else it can do for you. You're getting too close to the source of the danger. That's all right, Mom, he replied. I've got to go. I'm busy. But Ronan... He hung up the phone. They were nearly at the hospital now. Listen, kid, Dibbleman said. He spoke slowly, as if he had to concentrate on each word before speaking. I know you and Lucy are close. We're closer than close, Ronan snarled. Don't even pretend that someone like you can comprehend how important she is to me. Dibbleman paused. Sure thing, he said. Ronan watched the hospital building grow closer. 2.19 p.m. Luce? Hey, Lucy. Ronan was relieved to watch her eyes flutter open. As they groggily focused on him, a wide grin split her face. Ronan, she exclaimed. Noticing Dibbleman by the doorway, she said in a much more professional tone, Hello. Ronan sat on the bed's edge and cleared his throat. Lucy seemed not to notice the pencil and notepad in his hand. Lucy he said. We need to ask a few questions. Can you tell me again what happened this morning? What did I tell you the first time? She asked. You don't remember? Lucy shook her head and winced. Not really. Just tell us what you can, said Ronan. Lucy's eyes unfocused and her brows furrowed. Let's see, she said. Um, I went to go see Richard. I don't remember why, but 
Someone was with him, maybe, or hiding. I think they were hiding somewhere and jumped out. Something bad happened after that. Lucy strained, staring at something only she could see. Ronan hoped he did a good job concealing his shaking hands. Stop beating around the bush and ask her, said Dibbleman. Lucy's murky eyes turned slowly back to Ronan. He found it nearly impossible to force the words from his mouth. He asked, How, how long have you known that Richard is your father? Lucy laughed. He's not. You know my dad. His name is Tim. Apparently not, said Ronan. Dibbleman handed her the test results. We found this with Richard's belongings. Lucy stared blankly at the paper in her hands. Her eyes went murky again. Yes, she murmured. This is familiar. But then, violently, she shook her head and her eyes cleared. No, she exclaimed. This isn't real. It is, though, said Dibbleman. No, it has to be fake, Lucy protested. We found it with just a pile of evidence, really, that you're Richard's daughter, said Ronan. Then it's all fake, Lucy said. Listen, I've seen my birth certificate before. I called my parents, said Ronan. Even my mom knew you were adopted. Oh, and we believe what she tells us why? Lucy demanded. Ronan's expression shifted from pained to enraged. Lucy blanched. Ronan, I didn't mean... No, you're right. She's crazy, he said. Tell me more about the perpetrator. Her eyes went murky. He was... He was... Her eyes became sharp. Oh, I remember. You're not going to like this. Ronan braced himself. Lucy cleared her throat. Richard was attacked by something hiding in the subject's body, she said. It was shaped like a man, but much smaller, and its face was flattened, like a frog's. Wide mouth. It was gooey and pulpy, as if it didn't have a real body. And it was covered in some brown fluid that melted anything it touched. That was how it buried itself into Richard's body. Ronan released a long breath. I'm next, aren't I? Lucy looked terrified. What? You almost got me too, Ronan said. Mom's messages must be getting to me. Lucy said nothing. She watched him with shattered eyes, mouth hanging slightly agape. Everyone I know has gone insane, he said. You're right, I shouldn't trust her. But I don't trust you either. Chief Meriden stepped into the room. I've come to check up on you, she said. Oh, excuse me, seems I'm interrupting. Ronan left them. He handed his gun and his badge to Meriden on the way out. Actually, he told her, you're just in time. From the hall, Ronan heard Lucy call for him, but he did not turn. He was gone. Finished. He knew he could never do this again. He had thought he was a good detective, but that was before his personal life and the job came crashing together. Ronan felt his phone buzz in his pocket but he ignored it. He tried to wrap his mind around the situation. Richard was Lucy's father. 
It was so hard to accept that someone he thought he knew was actually so different. But the evidence was incontrovertible. His phone buzzed again. And what about Lucy? Did she kill Richard? Why? A hall phone rang. The nurse who answered seemed concerned and very confused. What about Lucy's story? It was the same as this morning's. Was she lying? If so, it was the worst alibi Ronan had ever heard. Maybe it was delusion created by trauma. Maybe that was exactly how it was meant to sound. Ronan noticed the majority of people in the hall all checking their phones, almost simultaneously. Odd. The very thought that Lucy could end Richard's life brought Ronan physical pain and sickness. He could feel the tears building behind his eyes, so he hurried to the elevator and rode it to the ground floor. His phone continued to vibrate the whole ride down, but he refused to answer. He could not talk to his mother now. Not like this. The doors opened with a ding, and Ronan stepped into the lobby. All was quiet save for some air vents and a distant receptionist answering a call, but Ronan could not wait here. He needed a smoke. He passed through the automatic doors. The sky was overcast and it was drizzling again. Everything looked gray and dark. Perfect weather to feel sorry for yourself. Ronan saw a gaggle of other smokers joking and huddled together, but he did not feel like company. He walked past them. He walked until he came upon an alley in which nobody could differentiate his tears from the rainwater. He stepped into the shadow. Once in the alley, Ronan reached for his cigarettes. His fingers brushed against his phone, and he realized it had finally stopped vibrating. Good, he decided. Maybe his mother had realized she was wasting his time. Ronan grabbed the pack from his pocket. Of all the moments of the day that seemed inexplicable to Ronan, this was the strangest. As he held his box of cigarettes, it began to buzz like his phone. Ronan could hardly believe what was happening. He stared at the pack with dread. Perhaps his quip about going insane was more accurate than he had realized. He opened the pack, but all that sat inside were his three remaining cigarettes. The box continued to buzz. Ronan checked over his shoulders and down the alley. Seeing no one yet feeling foolish, he raised the box to his ear. Its vibration suddenly ceased. Ronan felt overwhelmed. Huh. Hello? They took a moment to answer. From the other end of the line, if there was a line at all, in his own voice, they said, Run! There was a clicking sound, like an old landline phone being put away. Farther down the alley was a grate to the sewers, and from it something like smoke began to billow. Ronan watched in silent and paralytic shock as something rose, burning and melting through the grate. It stood. It was just a lump of something, but the lump took form. It looked like a person, but it was not as big as an adult. It molded for itself a crude head with a wide mouth. Beady eyes looked Ronan over. The creature secreted an oily-looking yellow-brown liquid that caused the cement around it to bubble and melt. Ronan felt his jaw drop to his knees. The creature regarded him silently before saying, Even you, then. 
It lunged forward, dropping to all fours, barreling towards Ronan directly. It moved with surprising speed. By the time Ronan finally recovered enough to run, it was too late. Three shots rang in the alley. The creature fell and slid to a stop. The sidewalk just in front of Ronan's feet began to bubble. He stumbled back, breathing hard, unable to take his eyes off this thing, this monstrosity. Now dead, it was breaking down in its own acid. Dibbleman stood beside Ronan. Smoke wafted from his pistol. Guess your friend's not so crazy after all, he said. The cigarette pack in Ronan's hand buzzed again. Without thinking and without hesitation, he chucked it to the street. Dibbleman grunted. Glad to see you're giving up the habit. Joshua Safley is a writer, math educator, and general questioner. He has been creating stories since he was a small child, mostly about magic or animals, especially dinosaurs. He received his B.S. and M.A. in mathematics at the University of North Carolina at Greensboro, and though many might suppose this analytical training would stunt the imagination, it has only encouraged him to pursue the connections between all things in his writing. He lives in Clemens, North Carolina, and still watches cartoons when he can. This has been a production of the Brick Moon Fiction Podcast. If you like what you hear, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts, as it helps us find a bigger audience. For more information on Brick Moon and special offers, sign up for the Brick Moon Fiction newsletter at brickmoonfiction.com. Thank you for listening.